Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet. That's right. This is a podcast for those of you who, like us, live on a steady diet of popcorn and other various movie snacks, like delicious milk duds, which I could never figure out why they call them that. It's caramel and chocolate. It's not. There's no milk or duds involved. Mm. Uh, as always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with me, my fellow good movie buddy, my co-host, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn, coming to you from a delightfully gorgeous hotel room in San Diego, California. Some some call it the whale's vagina. Some call it that. Some call it uh, named after Saint Diego, I believe. Mm. Uh, but we are here on our actual money-making job, and uh, and you know what? We just can't help but podcast now. It's, it's an itch. Can't help it. It's an itch we got to scratch, David, and and we're gonna do it. By God, we're gonna fever. do it. Um, and so uh, if the audio is a little funky, uh, we apologize. This is the first time we've ever done this, so we're we're gonna we're gonna go with it. Um, but this week is all about blockbusters. The big ones, the summer movies, David. My the, favorites. The big budgets. Yes. The special effects. Yes. The Michael Bay's explosions. The Michael. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he has become the king of blockbusters in very short order. He doesn't have a huge filmography, you know. He know. But he every single it. one he of does them does it big. Every single one of them is big. But before we do that, before we get into blockbusters, I wanted to bring up. What might be one of the weirdest and most unique pieces of blockbuster news that has happened behind the scenes, and this is something that that we don't do often or we haven't done often yet, but we might every once in a while, and that's bring up sort of movie news, uh, which is you and I, how many freaking websites do we go to? Too many. Too, <laughs> too many websites. Um, so much so that we had to create our own. And a big news broke out this week that the Han Solo movie, the Star Wars spinoff Han Solo, as you know, they did Star Wars The Force Awakens, and then they did their spinoff Rogue One, and now they're doing Star Wars The Last Jedi, and then they were going to have Star Wars Han Solo as an, as the next spinoff. They cast Alden Eidenreich from uh, Hail Caesar as Han Solo. And they got the directors of 21 and 22 Jump Street and the Lego movie, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, to direct. And everyone's hyped because Phil Lord and Chris Miller are like gold right now, mm -hmm. right? They take a what seems to be a bad idea and they turn it into something great. 21 and 22 Jump Street are great. Right? Lego movie. Lego movie. Excellent. Had no business being that great. Well, the no. big news is that they got shit canned from the movie. Creative differences. I mean, yeah, that's what they said, and I think this is, I think this is the, this is like the first time that that's actually been true, because most of the time it's they say it's creative differences, but really, like when Terrence Howard got kicked off of Iron Man two, they said creative differences, but ultimately it's about poor money. Guy. Yeah, poor guy. He's doing fine. He's on uh, Empire. He's all right. He's no Don Cheadle. He's no Don Cheadle, um, but this movie. We talked about this a little bit. I mean, it's been hard not to talk about it. This Han Solo movie has been in, in pre-production for two years. These guys, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, have been working on this movie for two years. And they've been filming since February. And literally last week, the news broke. They're off the film. 
and news just started trickling out that they were fired or they quit or there was creative differences. What was going to happen? Who was going to replace them? Well, and the, and the word was that Chris Miller and, and Phil Lord both enjoy allowing improv to kind of right. just take over. And I think in a movie like 21 Jump Street, where it's not like you have a canon of history that you need to stay true to that all the 21 Jump Street fans are going to come out of the woodwork right. yelling and screaming Or at even you. a plot that matters. Or even a plot that matters. <laughs> um, will be coming out of the woodworks. Whereas with Star Wars, obviously, you have years and years of history and years and years of nerds that all uh, are going to hold you to the history and expect Han Solo to be a certain type of character and expect Chewbacca to be a certain type of character. And I know... Everybody was coming into Han Solo expecting like this funny buddy cop type of experience right. like we got in 21 Jump Street and saying, wouldn't that be hilarious with Chewie and uh -huh. and Han? But I think it's become very evident that Disney is going to protect the quote unquote brand of Star Wars and, and everything's going to fall into a little bit of that Star Wars Disney niche and they're not going to stray too far, at least not yet. I mean, we hoped that when Disney bought Star Wars and we were going to suddenly get Star Wars movies every year right. until eternity, that we would see really funny Disney movies mm -hmm. and really dark Disney movies and things like that. And right now it seems like we're just going to get kind of the same the same Star Wars theme movie. type of Star Wars movie, right. good versus bad you know characters that you know we like and enjoy right sign of you know dark side empire smuggler's bounty yeah, hunters kind of the usual suspect well yeah you're 100 correct when it was when it was first announced that they were going to start doing spinoffs like this everybody got real hyped because they thought that like oh we could potentially get like a quentin tarantino movie set in the star wars universe or we could get a 21 jump street comedy set in the star wars universe or a spaghetti western, or a war movie, which is actually what Rogue One was. Rogue One, uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, was a war movie, and it was actually a lot darker than what originally came out. And they brought on, and this is not common knowledge either, they brought on Tony Gilroy to do reshoots. They actually brought on a different director to do reshoots because the film Gareth Edwards made was very dark, apparently. Very dark. Saving Private Ryan style bleak ass war movie. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's becoming a little bit clearer that Disney is and Kathleen Kennedy particularly is very interested in protecting that brand mm -hmm. because the word was that Lord and Miller were very much improvisational and they veered way off course, like you said. And they, I mean, it's it's not normal for movie for uh, for directors to leave movies. Edgar Wright left Ant Man. Uh, it's happened before, you sure, know. But not the usually, Flash can't get a director. But not usually this far into no uh, shooting. That's the fucking craziest part about it is that literally they have been shooting for four months, five months. That's pretty much means the movie's over. That means the movie's pretty much done. Even for Star Wars. Even for this Star Wars. And they got literally they were fired. Apparently the the clashes between Kathleen Kennedy, who is the who is the CEO who runs Lucasfilm, and the writer, Lawrence Kazdan, who is Star Wars royalty. Kazdan wrote 
Empire and Jedi and uh, he's like I mean Star Wars royalty is the best way to put it like they clashed hard with these directors apparently and so less than 24 hours later who they bring on and there's all these literally the movie news cycle blew up because everyone's writing these articles like who could be the next director of Han Solo and they're throwing out all these ideas but ultimately they went with a safe bet they went with Ron Howard or as I like to call him, Richie Cunningham. Richie Cunningham. Opie. Uh, what was the joke? Help me, Opie One Kenobi. <laughs> You're my only hope, I think, was a joke every asshole was making on the internet. And Ron Howard's a great choice because he's safe. He He's a company man. He's going to come in. He's going to get the job done. But he also is an Academy Award winning. He's a legit great filmmaker. So that's helpful. It's not sure. like they brought in Brett Ratner, which sure. Jesus Christ... That thought literally just popped into my head. <laughs> and that's the most horrifying thing I could think of. Um, but yeah, they brought Ron Howard in less than 24 hours later to take over this movie. And this is something that has just never happened before. Um, and it's something that we absolutely had to talk about. I don't know. Did you see the tweet today? One uh, of the directors tweeted today. They tweeted yesterday about the baby driver coming out with yeah. Edgar Wright. Yep. And and I think it was I think it was Phil Lord, but it could have been Chris Miller. One of the directors tweeted out like, "Go see Baby Driver. It's great." And then today tweeted out, "Situation Normal," which is a Han Solo line from Star Wars: A New Hope when he's talking to the stormtroopers. Situation Normal. Yeah. Except guess what? Situation was not normal. So everyone's like. Ooh, what does it mean? Is it some shade or blah, 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 blah. But from everything that I've heard, everybody's pr handling it pretty well, as yeah, best well, as I you mean, could. I mean, if I'm a director and I'm getting to do Star Wars, I mean, let's be honest, I'm sure for both Bill Lord and Chris Miller, they probably grew up on Han Solo. And right. the idea of getting to direct the in essence, probably origin story of, you know, one of the most iconic, you know, movie characters of all time. You gotta be hyped. To they'd probably be pretty hyped, and to to feel like going into it, you get to do it in your own style and the way that you would do it sounds amazing. Right. But then to get into spend four months shooting, and suddenly it realized that really all they want you to do is make their movie. Make their movie. Right. It'd probably be pretty frustrating. So um, I think probably going separate ways is, is probably for best. Sure. Um, so we don't have some movie that doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a little disappointing. I would have loved to have seen their version of it. Of course. Um, and I mean, we'll see. I mean, and there was the rumors that, you know, it was turning into Ace Ventura-esque Han Solo. Which is um, a crazy thought. Which is a crazy thought. And I think some of it. The thing I understand about protect, protecting it a little bit is because you can't have like young Han Solo be like Ace Ventura and old Han Solo be Harrison Ford. Right. So I, I get having to project, protect sure. a little bit, but at the same time, it would have been fun to see um, a different take there's, or at least some some out some right. outside of the norm for Star Wars. But there's still got to be a little level of continuity with the character. For sure. Um, so that was the big news this week. That was super interesting. And then and the other big rumor is that they had a hiatus in filming. Like literally everybody just took like a two-week hiatus or a three-week hiatus um, to kind of get their shit together. And the big rumor is that during that hiatus, they met with DC Films about directing The Flash 
which is a movie they left to direct Star Wars and can't get a director. The Flash has literally gone through three directors. <laughs> so there's all this just it's super fascinating for geeks like us because we pay attention to that behind the scenes stuff. And you'll have people out there who might even be listening who will, would never know about this. Until then, I'm so I'm super interested to see how the director's credits uh, end up shaping up. Yeah, whether and what they, they give look them like. any kind of uh, credit for credit at all, or yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so that's the big kind of news that I wanted to talk about at the very beginning, um, because it pertains to sort of our. But we also got another big blockbuster that had news. Oh, that's as true. Well. We had Jurassic oh, World. God. The D- Fallen Kingdom. They, uh, the press is was in Hawaii this last weekend for press shit, doing press, doing doing Jurassic World press stuff, and they released the poster. And Ricky wet his pants. I did. Uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, on one hand, I'm in, obviously, 100% in on the next Jurassic World movie. Uh, I particularly love that this teaser poster goes along with the motif of every teaser poster for the Jurassic series where it is just the logo. In this case, it's the crumbling stone logo and it's got sparks and shit because every poster's got to have fucking sparks now. But the one thing that I find interesting, Fallen Kingdom, you could put that title on fucking anything. Well, here's my thing too. My first thought was, okay, we had... Jurassic Park. Yep. Followed by Lost World. The Lost World Jurassic Park. Fallen Kingdom, Lost World. To me, those kind of are very similar sure. type sure. of type of titles. Like Lost World and Fallen Kingdom. Like I feel like Fallen Basically, Kingdom. Like, you just went to a thesaurus. Yeah, exactly. And then spun the wheel. <laughs> After we went from Jurassic Park to Jurassic World, again, just like right. taking it up a scale a <laughs> little bit. What if it was like what if it was like Jurassic World, like the unfound like Earth or some yes. shit. Like the misplaced Earth. It's like you mean the lost world? Yes. Is that what you mean? I would have liked that. That would have been fun. <laughs> really funny um but but (laughs) but if you um if you take fallen kingdom and put it on any franchise it works like avatar fallen kingdom bad boys fallen kingdom jurassic park fallen kingdom star wars fallen kingdom literally any this is a game you can play at home this is this is a game that you can play with your friends Pick a franchise and <laughs> and see if you can fit uh, the Fallen Kingdom at the end of it, and I bet you it can work. I bet you it can work. I have not had a problem doing it yet. Home Alone, Fallen Kingdom. Home Alone, Fallen Kingdom. Yep, works. 100% works. <laughs> Ocean's 14, Fallen Kingdom. Works. Uh, what else is there? Like, give me another franchise. Transformers, Fallen Kingdom. I think they came out with that one already. Fucking, uh, yeah. Is that not what that one is called? Um, so on one hand, like I'm super pumped for it. On the other hand, mm, that's kind of generic. Which... Well, let's be honest. They're going to take at least two or three showings worth of money from you anyways when they come oh, out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not even a question. I'm pretty sure you probably saw Jurassic Park three, three or four times at least. I t- I'm not Jurassic... 
I'm not a big Jurassic Park 3 fan, David. That's a lot of missed. That movie is a lot of missed opportunities. That movie is a lot of missed opportunities. <laughs> that I feel like Jurassic World came back and 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 took advantage of a lot of those missed opportunities. They made Jurassic Park again. They made Jurassic Park again, but like if you're going to have something a fight the T-Rex, don't put it in the middle of the fucking movie and have it last for 1 minute. <laughs> Have it be the finale. Like, we could do a whole podcast on that. We'll save I'm that for sure when we Jurassic will. World. And I'm sure we will. We'll, sure we'll save we will. it for when Fallen Kingdom comes yep, out. Yep, we'll do that. We'll definitely do uh, a Jurassic World recap. We also, last bit of news, I think, before we go into uh, our blockbuster yes. topic would be, I think everybody needs to pour one out for uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Pour, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the greatest actors of our time. Definitely one of the greatest character actors. One of the greatest sure. character actors of all time just just disappears into every role he's in. Uh, announced that he's retiring from acting after his last movie uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson, where he plays a dress designer. Uh, and the rumor is that he's going to retire so that he can design dresses. And I don't I don't buy that particularly. <laughs> he is Daniel Day-Lewis. That though, it just so took this one role. It's not like he fucking retired after playing Lincoln so he could run for politics. Well, yeah, but, I mean, let's see. There will be blood. It's not like he can retire from acting he, he to, could go, be an oil man. to go be an oil baron. Um, he could retire from gangs in New York and just be a racist prick. Yeah, so I think, you know... <laughs> Dances with her, uh, Last of the Mohicans. I don't think you can really, uh, can't really be an, an American Indian. <laughs> no, I don't think you can go back to that. But a seamstress, a dress <laughs> designer, finally, this is the role that, that pushed him over the edge. And he just did a little bit too much research. And I don't even know if that's true. All we know is that he's announced that he's going to retire from acting. And you know what? I actually saw a lot of sites, um, and people tweeting that like Daniel Day Lewis quits acting. And acting all disappointed and shit. And I kind of got mad at that. Because, like, you have the right to retire. Like, you, you've you done a great job. Retire. Enjoy a life of quiet. Not that he hasn't enjoyed a life of quiet. Because that dude is never in the news. He yeah. just goes, disappears, and then suddenly he's in a movie again. But, like, I got real kind of bent out of shape about it. Like, he's quitting acting. Like, no, you can retire, guys. It's okay to retire. I think people always envision actors as it being something you do basically until you die. Like most actors, like you don't get a lot of big name actors. You're either forced out because you're no longer any good. Right. Um, and no one wants to hire you. Right. Or you die. That's usually yeah. the two endings for actors. There's not really a whole lot of people that say, you know what, I'm going to pivot careers and go do something else. Sure, sure. Like, usually people pivot careers and take up acting. And take up acting. Well, <laughs> so. like Gene Hackman's retired. You know, Gene Hackman, Rick Moranis, you know, they retired from acting and they did it pretty successfully. And I've, I'm shocked if people think Gene Hackman's still alive. See, but the thing with those guys, though, is I feel like, you know, every time Daniel Day-Lewis is in a movie... You think he's going to win an Oscar, <laughs> like, or he is at least sure. going to be nominated for an Oscar. Sure, so it's one of those things where it's not like he had a crazy workload already. So it was like he did a movie like every three years. Right, so right. It was like, you know, you just expected that he'd continue doing that. Well, but this last one sounds like an Oscar. He's not like he's not like Meryl Streep, where she just 
She'll just keep making movies. Keep making movies until she's probably until dead. She's probably dead. And even then, they'll find a way to put her in another fucking movie. Yep. So that is that is big news. We'll have to wait and see if that's actually what happens or what he plans to do. If anything, he could just disappear into obscurity, which sounds about right for his M.O. And if so, good for him. You know, he's got nothing left to prove. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. He should enjoy his quiet his quiet time on his ranch in Ireland or some shit, whatever he wants to do. Um, but that brings us into sort of the main topic of discussion, which is a lot of blockbuster news coming out. So we're in the middle of summer. July is upon us. It's time to talk about blockbuster movies, the big ones. The origin of the blockbuster. Now, you obviously, you know the origin of the word blockbuster, right? Tell me, well, tell me Mr. Richard. These were these were the movies that came out, and lines were around the block. They were all around the block. Now, actually, the origin of the word blockbuster was actually a war term for bombs. You would drop bombs, and they would be blockbusters. They would be bombs that could destroy entire city blocks. Um, obviously, we've graduated. Like the Ice Age movies? And moved on. Yeah, a lot like the fucking Ice Age movies. J- just destroy women and children. Just, just lay waste to everybody. Um, that's the origin of the, of the word blockbuster. But when it comes to movies, it was all about the lines. It was all about the lines that wrapped around the theater to go see these movies. And obviously, back in the 70s and the 80s, there were less movies with less screens Less theaters with less screens showing less movies. So these lines all throughout the summer wrapped around the block. And one of the first ones, obviously, is Jaws. Gone with the Wind was huge in terms of ticket sales. And then, you know, with the birth of the Megaplex and the birth of the 20 screen movie theaters, obviously, blockbusters took on a new term. They were it was all focused on box office you know uh, usually back in the in the 80s and 90s if you hit 100 million you're a blockbuster now 100 million is shit like a comedy a comedy can make 100 million in a, in a wink you know that's easily sausage party almost made 100 million for crying out loud so now it's a little bit more so there's it's it's you have worldwide you have nowadays to be a true certified global blockbuster you got to crack a billion worldwide. And I think if you are, and most blockbusters nowadays are franchises. Back in the day, back when blockbusters first originated, they weren't. They were, they were what these franchises are now. It was the first versions of these. It was original ideas. It wasn't adaptations. And so... Well, and I think that to that point, if a studio has something become a blockbuster, they're going to milk the crap out of franchise that movie. so hell yeah some of these movies that we're gonna list here too and go through and talk about i think i don't know that when they first came out were intended to be a franchise right but given that sure studios just want to milk whatever idea they can as much as they can and not sure. have to worry about original content they will run out eight versions of that franchise and go back until, until it until runs people out stop seeing it so. it's 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 the it's a simple well philosophy we're going to keep going back to the well till the well dries out and then we'll dig a new well or reboot well, that it, or reboot that well well when you think about it most actors they're more than happy to reprise the role because that's just another big paycheck for them my favorite franchises are the ones that start big 
and then go direct to video, and then the actors never got big enough, so the actors can come back in like the third direct, like Starship Troopers, <laughs> like Starship Troopers had Casper Van Dien in it in its original one, and then he got a little popular, and then he, <laughs> he didn't do shit. So by the time they made like the third direct to video Starship Troopers, it's like we can get Casper Van Dien back, and we can have continuity, and I appreciate that because I love continuity. <laughs> Those are my favorite, but we do have our, uh, we do we did our top ten based around blockbusters this week, and this particular top ten we had some parameters, mm-hmm. and for those of you listening at home, uh, we want you to follow along with these same parameters. These blockbuster films cannot involve remakes, sequels, or reboots. So no remakes, no sequels. No reboots. And for clarification on that, too, what we said was if it was the first of a franchise, it counts. It's allowed. And also if it was like a adaptation of like a comic book or even a TV show, right. we'll allow it. We'll so allow like, it. For instance, this week's movie Transformers would not qualify, but the original Transformers 1 would, could qualify. Could qualify, yeah. Um, we also talked about... How adaptations are allowed. We talked about how movies that are part of that series, a couple that we knocked out were the recent reboots such as Casino Royale and the Star Trek reboot. Those were both excluded, disallowed. Um, And then I think we were allowing, because shared universes are so popular now, we were allowing the first movies for a character in a shared universe to be allowed. So, for example, Iron Man 1, Thor 1, Captain America 1. Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Deadpool. Even though that exists in a franchise that already exists, they were their own movie for the most part. Um, And so those all counted. Those were all eligible. So who wants to go first? Would you like me to go first or would you like like to go first? Take it away. Okay. Now... I did make 10. But he has 25 alternates. But I need to mention, yeah, I mean, you're not 100% wrong. Uh, I need to mention that with my hardest, my hardest problem with building this list and making this list of top 10 blockbusters was not making it all Spielberg movies. Because I could have very easily done that. And some huge Spielberg movies did not make this list. Some really big ones, like Close Encounters, Minority Report, uh, War of the Worlds didn't make it. Saving Private Ryan didn't make it. Saving Private Ryan made a lot of money, by the way. Didn't make um, a lot of money. And the biggest one that didn't make it, Raiders of the Lost Ark did not make it on this list. It's just sad. Which is... I it's, thought you liked Spielberg. I do. See, that's the thing. See? I do like Spielberg, David. I like it enough that there's he's got more movies on here than anybody else. But I can't make it all Spielberg. We're going to do that at a later time, and we'll rank them all. But for this, I took 10, all right? And I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm interested to see your thoughts on this because I don't know if I went typical of what you thought or if I went different of what you thought. All if right? most of them are Spielberg, then you went typical of what I thought. So my number 10 blockbuster Pop quiz, hot shot. You're not going to take this long no. every time you announce one. Not everyone. You? Okay. Speed. I went speed. Speed. Yes. 
the birth of Keanu. The it's the only Keanu movie on here because I thought about the Matrix and and those, but Speed was is such a pure like crowd pleaser. It's a movie that is is a, an original concept for the most part. I mean, guy trying to blow up a vehicle and a guy trying to stop it like that ain't very fucking original. But the chemistry between the two leads and just the the way the film is put together and particularly how the movie is actually three separate action sequences. It's the elevator sequence, it's the bus sequence, and then it's the subway sequence, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just – it's a crowd pleaser. And it it really – it didn't cost a ton of money to make. Keanu was a fairly uh, unknown actor at the time. Sandra Bullock was a fairly unknown actress at the time. Her biggest role was fucking Demolition Man. And this catapulted them to superstardom. Academy Award winning film Speed is. I think it won like sound editing or something. But it's an Oscar winning film. So Speed is my number 10. Number 9 is a film that that re kind of energized blockbusters back in 95, 96. And that's Independence Day. That was a movie that came out. And again, it's an alien invasion movie. It's not anything brand new. But what made it new was... The way that it was filmed and Roland Emmerich coming in and making huge scale destruction unique and cool again and iconic again. And then, of course, introducing the world to Will Smith, peak Jeff Goldblum, peak Bill Pullman, uh, just an amazing supporting cast. Yeah, didn't you have a – that came shortly after Jurassic Park, so you had – you were riding the uh, Jeff Goldblum You were riding the Jeff Goldblum Jurassic Park. They even ADR'd. They pulled a line from Jurassic Park. I don't know if you know this, but when they're racing out of the spaceship at the end, you can hear him saying, must go faster, must go faster. They pulled that, I remember that. from his Jurassic Park session. Yep. Um, so Independence Day, and people forget how big that movie was. That movie was gigantic mm-hmm. when it came out. My Let's number, just forget that there was a second one. Maybe. There is. We can forget there's a second one. It was sad and, and wasn't Terrible. nearly as good as the first one. Um, my number eight. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Uh, one of, and this is, I think, the newest one on here. Maybe maybe not quite the newest one on here. But talk about a movie that nobody expected to be good, had no business being good, and ended up being a wonderful throwback to swashbuckling adventure movies. Bumped Johnny Depp up to the top of the game, for better or for worse. Gave Gore Verbinski the ability to make these weird-ass $300 million movies which I really appreciate. And just, I love swashing some buckles. I love pirate movies. I love adventure movies. Love some Hans Zimmer. I love some Hans Zimmer, even though this one wasn't Hans Zimmer to start with. That's right. Um, It was, uh, God, I can't remember his name. I can't believe I'm I'm blanking on it. Uh, It was one of his protégés who did it. Uh, And again, theme, actor, everything coming together and was great. Number seven... Number seven uh, is Titanic. For the longest time, the biggest blockbuster of all time. And listen, just like many James Cameron movies, this is not a terribly unique film in terms of story. It's a tragic love story of two people who shouldn't be in love, painted over the backdrop of a massive tragedy. But... This bitch was unstoppable. This was the iceberg mowing everyone down when it came out. And I was, it came out in 96, 97. So I was like 10 or 11. My sister was like seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing those guys. Everybody was seeing this movie. 
which in hindsight feels kind of weird if you think about it. Um, but Titanic was just massive. And it was one of those movies that even the fucking Celine Dion song I had on blast. I had on blast. That's not that surprising to me. It was big. Shut up. Uh, it was big. It was huge. It was a huge, a huge iceberg mowing down everybody. Number six, my Michael Bay film, Armageddon. 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 On again, I've talked about this in length. I wrote an article uh, a week or so ago about spoilers and about Armageddon and how it's so wonderfully fucking made, and it makes me cry every time. And it's such a crowd pleaser. It just—it's like uh, it's America and space and Affleck and Affleck and Bruce Will peak Bruce Willis and and Animal Crackers and. Peak Buscemi Like literally everybody in this movie Is at their best uh, Including Michael Bay Um, And I think uh, I just it's And the soundtrack's great Everything Armageddon And it makes me cry every time I don't even care When they start screaming at each other And he's like He's like this is my job It's my responsibility And he says to him, you know, you go take care of my little girl now. And they're screaming, I love you at each other. And then he pulls her up on the video to say goodbye. And that whole everything from that point on is waterworks. Because you got the music, you got the shuttle landing, you got fucking American flags waving in the air. And you got the captain who's like, let me shake the hand of the bravest of the daughter of the bravest man I ever met. And oh, I get chills just thinking about it. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Pain and Gain was your favorite. It's movie. not Pain and Gain. That movie didn't make a lot of money. <laughs> Number five, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Another movie that makes me cry every time at the end. And I don't have any shame for it. You're over here laughing. I don't care. I'm an open book, David. I show emotion, unlike you, who doesn't cry. I'm, I would be shocked if you ever fucking cried at a movie anyways. And I feel like I didn't give this enough attention in the last episode. The fact that you didn't cry in Toy Story 3 or Up is a genuine problem. Okay? I apologize. I don't want your apology. I just need you to understand that. Just because I cry at all these movies doesn't, doesn't make me the weird one. You're the weird one. I'm the weird one. <laughs> E.T. the Extraterrestrial is phenomenal. Uh, it is a nearly perfect movie uh, it, in terms of emotional impact, in terms of whimsy and, and being magical. And, Despite and what Curtis Ware has to say. About fuck that. Curtis Ware. Our, our co-worker Curtis Ware, calling him out, someone who we work with on a regular basis, just walks around with his giant spoon to stir the pot. Not literally. He does not literally have a giant spoon. I, but wouldn't, he, I wouldn't doubt that he has a giant I don't like spoon. That he, I don't like that he's got to bring it up all the time because he knows... He knows it's one of the greatest movies ever made. It's one of the best blockbusters ever made. Movie made so much money, I don't even care. Number four, the biggest movie worldwide of all time, Avatar. Biggest movie of all time. I remember how big of an, how, a big how big of an experience this movie was. Like this movie wasn't like going to see a movie. This movie was going to experience it. It was one of those movies that everybody said you have to go see it in 3D. Too. Right, you did, and you did because it was it was revolutionary. It was so big in terms of technology and 3D, and it was really the first movie that really 
kicked 3D up a notch. Like it really did. But those last, that last battle, that last 30 minutes is so thrilling and the music is amazing and the action is amazing. It's getting its own theme park. And, here. and it, it has its own theme park ride or its own theme park land. And James Cameron is, is, is a genius when it comes to uh, staging action films like that. It's very much more so than Michael Bay because James Cameron can actually put together a coherent story. Um, but Avatar was amazing. James Cameron also takes twice as long to film his movies. That's true. Well, it's because he's he's interested in innovating the technology. Maybe he just I wants agree. to go live under the sea in a submarine for two years and study bioluminescent plants. Yeah, see Aquaman. See Aquaman. See Aquaman. <laughs> Number three. This is the last three. These are my top three blockbusters of all time. Of all time. Number three is Star Wars: A New Hope, the original, the one that started it all. And this was something that had never been seen before back in 77. Um, and it's something now where the world building that is done in Star Wars is unprecedented, even today. Even the way that it introduces characters, the way that you understand character motivations so quickly pales, uh, it pales everything. Everything pales in comparison. And we'll talk about Transformers the last night in a little bit. But when it comes to character introductions... I thought of Star Wars the most when realizing how fucking poor The Last Night was at introducing its characters. Number two, this is a borderline perfect movie. And, and any I feel of, like you've said that three or four I times. I know it has, but this is legit a borderline perfect movie. And if, if this was any other list, it would be number one. But number one to me is a, is a sentimental favorite. But my number two movie is Jaws. Which is considered the original. That's not a sentimental favorite. <laughs> that's not a sentimental favorite. No, oddly enough, Jaws is considered the first blockbuster. Jaws was the first movie that had a wide release that had that made a hundred million dollars at the box office. It was a phenomenon, and it is a perfectly constructed film that came together almost by accident with with all the shit Spielberg went through. But the ability to the 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 choice, not even the choice, being forced to hide the shark till late in the film is a genius choice. The chemistry of the cast is genius. The 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 changes that they made to Peter Benchley's book, and I'm sure we'll do uh, an episode on adaptations later. But some of the best film adaptations are ones that say "fuck the book." They've they did some wrong stuff in it. Like the book Jaws sucks. Like literally, Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife. So Richard Dreyfuss would be banging Roy Scheider's wife. Richard <laughs> Dreyfuss then dies because Brody lets him die. Quint doesn't doesn't get killed the way he gets killed by Ahab, or Ahab style. He literally gets a rope wrapped around his leg and gets dragged down exactly like Ahab. And they don't blow up the shark. The shark just kind of dies. And it's just this fucking... It's a weird book. And this, this movie turned it into full-blown phenomenon. And then my number one, my all-time favorite blockbuster of all time, it is the movie that made me love movies, and I will always bring it up, and that's Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park was peak blockbuster Spielberg. It was him operating on all cylinders with the, the best technology had to offer at the time, pushing technology forward with spectacle that still holds up to this day. Those dinosaurs still hold up. That T-Rex sequence... 
that 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 the whole in the rain, the compound, everything. There are CGI shots in that movie that still look real, and that was from 1993. And Jurassic Park is is in my opinion the number one greatest blockbuster. My favorite blockbuster of all time. And that's my 10, plus a few extras. All right, and that's all the time we have now. That, that wasn't that long. <laughs> that was like 10 minutes, maybe 15. Well, as usual, I will be half the half the time yeah. of uh, Rick when it comes to my list. But uh, for me, this was all about what a blockbuster to me is about. So part of my... I guess unspoken criteria and there's one exception on this list is that it's hard for me to think of a movie in the blockbuster sense if I didn't get to go eat a tub of popcorn and watch it on the big screen. That's fair. So for me, while I love Jaws, love Indiana Jones, love a number of older movies, I didn't go and get to see them. I didn't get that anticipation of going into the theater, sitting down, enjoying too much popcorn and too much soda and watching a movie for two hours. Right. So most of mine are going to be re relatively recent movies, all movies that I saw in the theaters, except for one. And they are also not going to be, I feel like yours were pretty critically, critically acclaimed. Oh, okay. Movies. Whereas for me, that really doesn't matter to me when I think blockbuster. You're like just when I think dollars. I'm thinking, either dollars, but I'm also thinking I can kind of turn off my brain for this movie and <laughs> I can just enjoy what I'm seeing here. And it's going to be big budget things that have big name actors for so, the most part. Okay. And I'm just going to have a really good time and I can watch this movie over and over again. And so by that, you will not find Titanic or Avatar. I loved them both. They right. were both awesome films. Um, but they, to me, when my Two of the goes, biggest blockbusters of all time. You know, maybe it's just James Cameron. I don't know. So uh, He sold his soul to somebody. Exactly. So, so yeah. So, I uh, I apologize if I offend anybody with my list. It is with definitely. Your stupid ass, dumb, lowest common denominator picks. Exactly. And I've, I've got no shame. Almost every one of these movies was the start of a franchise. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Get over it, everybody. All right. Actually, every single one of them has had a sequel. So. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not ashamed. So first one uh, was I believe an honorable mention for you, but was the Matrix. Yep. The thing about me for me about the Matrix was visually it did a bunch of things we've never seen before. Sure. Um, starting with all the super slow mo bullet dodging mm -hmm. fun that that was. Um, second, talk about creating a whole new world like you had two worlds created and, and just this whole new concept and something completely original, which again, I know my list is a bunch of things that were all franchises, but at the same time, when they first came out, they were something completely original, something we hadn't really been introduced to. Right. Um, and I just love that movie. I can watch it over again, over and over again. Um, sort of the dark environment that it creates, all the cool, really cool looking characters, even with Keanu being the lead. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's a it great was awesome. film. 
It's so. a great film. Second for me. Um, now, is that your number one or is that your bottom? That's my bottom. Gotcha. That's 10. Gotcha. That's 10. So uh, number nine for me was the start of all the nonsense. Well, technically wasn't the start, but the start of we're going to get 45 more movies of these uh, was Iron Man. Yes. So Robert Downey Jr., um, seeing him in a way that we really hadn't thought of him ever before. Like, no one really thought of him as, like, a superhero type of character. Especially after the the 80s and 90s that he had. Nor had we ha- ever had, like, like that kind of presence, I feel like, from, like, a superhero type movie. Because I'm trying to think of, like, the superhero movies before that. You had the Batmans, obviously. You had... Um, Superman. Superman. But those were all these characters that you had heard over and over again. You hadn't really, a lot of people probably didn't even know what Iron Man was, other than they maybe had seen his action figure before. He was, he was. When they were making that movie, they realized that they had sold their X Men off to Fox, they had sold Spider Man off to Sony, and so Marvel was kind of left with what they thought was their B squad. Yeah. They fucking, not anymore. And obviously that changed quickly. So, yeah, so I love that movie. I love the. The, to me, it's the ultimate type of it's one of those ultimate type of popcorn movies in mm-hmm. that it's got laughter. It's got sweet action action sequences uh, and it's got a lot of fun. Um, next for me, it's a uh, it's a soft spot, soft spot for me um, is uh, Fast and the Furious. Wow. The original. The original Fast and Furious. Absolutely. We're going to call that one a blockbuster, huh? Hey, it it, it met the qualifications. I okay. checked it. It made like 170 million. Okay. So it it uh, and that's just domestic, so that doesn't include worldwide. But to me, um yeah, I just, you know, it's fast cars. It's it's Vin it's Diesel? music. It's Vin Diesel. It's No one likes it's, the uh, tuna? Yeah, absolutely. It's ja Rule? Uh, it introduced us to you know, pop culture in a way with racing and those types of things. I mean, it spurred off, you know, video games like Need for Speed and all those types of things all became huge and everybody yep. was playing all those. Yep. It introduced us to NOS. Everyone fucking, every every motherfucker bought a Honda Civic. Everybody bought a Honda Civic. Everybody, How many people in high school drove, like, drove Honda Civics? Exactly. So <laughs> uh, to me, it was just, you go, again, I, I recognize it's not a fantastic critically movie but all right. to me it's the definition of what i enjoy from blockbusters um but that one's probably more of a sentimental pick in there so uh after that for me is your number is your number one jurassic park um awesome movie i don't need to elaborate on anything you said i agree with all of it um awesome characters awesome world i think all of us as kids grew up playing with dinosaurs and things like that and that like brought all that to life yep. in a really real way that before that all you had ever gotten really from dinosaur movies for the most part was like animation cheesy animation right so or that old, was cool. or old ones or super old ones that didn't look real at all so they yeah. might as well have been animation it made so. dinosaurs cool again absolutely uh after that one of my favorite franchises of all time lord of the rings so I understand. I Fellowship, struggled with this one. Fellowship of the Ring, I know, is the worst of the three, at least probably most people's most least enjoyable one. Right. But if you go back and watch that movie, that movie was legit. Like yeah. it was really good. It also was beautiful, like took sort of visuals up to another level, uh, took storytelling to another level. This kind of goes the opposite of what you talked about with Jaws about movies getting books right this made took a book 
that was beloved by people and did it absolutely <laughs> fucking correctly. Exact, almost yeah. exact, yeah. But it took these things that you read on pages and brought them to life in in an amazing way. So um, to me, that was you know definitely on my top ten. And again, one of those ones that just go in there and just enjoy the experience from that standpoint. Uh, after that, my one animated, which I, I toiled with putting it on here because an animated doesn't necessarily scream blockbuster to me, um, even though they make crazy amounts of money these sure. days. Uh, but this one to me, one is a sentimental favorite for me, but also the significance of this movie also came into play a little bit too. And that's Toy Story. Yep. Um, so you're number one last week on the animation episode. Number one on my animation, so it, it makes another top ten for me. It's true. Um, but it came in at, at number five for me. And part of it's because it was just, you know, a whole other level of animation. And I talked about it last week, so I won't go into it. But um, just just the whole movie to me is like the perfect animated story for me. And it, it brings up such nostalgia to childhood um, for me, too. So... Number four, the only movie I did not see technically when it was released. I did see it in theaters in like a fun re-release night where they showed it. Uh -huh. But that is Back to the Future. Okay. So Marty McFly, just a really fun, like cool concept sure. uh, movie. Again, something that I can just sit back and enjoy and and love the effects and love the characters and, and just a fun movie. Again, it's not necessarily going to make me... You know, it's not going to be a big tearjerker. I'm not going to go through emotional highs and lows <laughs> and things like that. I'm just going to really enjoy my time watching this movie. So uh, number three was on your list, Independence Day. Again, that to me is almost like the definition of a blockbuster. Yeah. Ginormous special effects, big characters, you know, big triumphant climax at the end with a mm -hmm. big battle like that to me screams what a blockbuster is all about if you're going action blockbuster. Number two, you had it on your list as well, Pirates of the Caribbean. Look, I already loved that ride when I went to Disney World, and I already love the whole idea of swashbuckling like you. And that, to me, brought this to life in, like, the most amazing way. Right. Um, Johnny Depp brought, you know, Jack Sparrow to a character that I think no one will forget. I think it, people are down on it a little bit now because they made so many movies. But if you think about where people we're at with not only the job he did but that movie alone like it was amazing at the time um and i think i saw that movie like six times in the theaters yeah a lot i saw it a lot too and last you had it on your list as well star wars star to wars me, will always be the blockbuster of all time for me um not only because i love star wars and am a star wars nerd but mm -hmm. it also created this whole new world um which is funny that technically this world was in the past, but um, long time ago. Regardless, um, in a it galaxy was just, far, far away. Just all the characters you got from it, and and the reason I'm still excited every time a Star Wars movie comes out, regardless of whether it switches directors <laughs> right before it comes out. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's a, that's an excellent list, and uh, we want to know what your favorite blockbuster films of all time are. Uh, whether it be guilty pleasures, where, whether it be, you know, stupid movies, which, listen, yours, I don't think any of yours really fell into stupid movies. I think maybe the only one was like The Fast and the Furious. 
I've got um, no shame. No which shame you should not. Game. You should not be shamed uh, for. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. But okay? we want to know what your favorite blockbuster films of all time were. And remember, you have to use the rule: no remakes, no sequels, and no reboots. But adaptations are allowed. So you can always. Reach out to us. We want to know whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You can find us at The Popcorn Diet. Or you can go to our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Submit your answers there. Or shoot us an email to uh, to popcorndietpodcast uh, at gmail.com. Just, just a side note, too. I did have Inception originally in my list. Uh-huh. Um, but to me, again, it was... And I saw that movie three times in yeah. theaters. But to me, it was just like, talk about an intense movie um, from start to finish. It's like that movie went fast, but it was also like super in-depth thinking, dream inside it a dream, all that kind too. of crazy stuff. It was almost on mine, too. So, and I think somewhat, almost all my movies, I'd have to check them. There's a couple exceptions came out. In the summer, which to me is sure. a blockbuster. That's me. a big blockbuster, too. So we actually uh, want to take a couple of minutes here and just go over some of the fan reactions, some of the user feedback, if you will, some of the listener feedback. From our last episode, the animation episode, we asked people what their favorite animated episodes of all time were. Or episodes, not episodes, but animated films of all time. And we actually got a, a ton of feedback. So we're going to try and mow through these as quickly as possible. Uh, we'll start with our Instagram. And remember, you can find us on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. Um, starting with user Leah Theodosis. She listed a ton like Wally Up, Tangled, The Good Dinosaur, Iron Giant, How to, How to Train Your Dragon. She said there's too many to choose, but those are the ones that she chose. Um, let's see here. We got uh, uh, Instagram user Kelsey Kovac says Peter Pan. A lot of Peter Pan was actually on here. Uh, the Little Mermaid. Instagram user CamCam01 says Sleeping Beauty, Toy Story, Moana. Mm-hmm. Instagram user uh, Miss L Friend said Robin Hood. So you got some Robin Hood people like on there. Uh, Leah uh, Theodosis as well um, uh, seconded the Robin Hood. Uh, user Click Repeat, who's my boy, my, my brother from another mother, Thomas Niederheiser in Florida. Toy Story, A Town Called Panic, A Bug's Life is on there for him. Um, and then we have Carly Kathleen with Peter Pan. So we got a lot of Peter Pans. Peter Pan. And then Drew James won through through a really curveball in here. Rock a doodle. Rock a doodle says he still has nightmares about those damn owls, which I totally <laughs> understand. Um, and we have a we had a ton we had a ton of people on Facebook. We had Drew Streeter narrow it down to Inside Out and Corpse Bride, which I thought was a unique one. Uh, Jason Kelly brought up Nightmare Before Christmas, mm -hmm. which is an all timer. Uh, Brian McLaughlin just demanded that we get some little mermaid chat going uh so we got to bring up uh little mermaid um curtis Ware brought up some things that don't count uh but he did mention robin hood so more love to you robin hood there robin hood and little john run through the forest run through the forest ray zakowski mentioned beauty and the beast finding nemo and kubo and two strings uh also the wind rises so some some Miyazaki, some some uh, some Japanese animation love in there. Kubo is such a good fucking movie, it is. and the fact that we missed it was, I'm upset. Nora Mirza jumped in with Toy Story and Monsters Inc. as well as The Secret of Nim mm. and Charlotte's Web. So some good ones there. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Chaplin. I always want to say Chaplin, and I know he doesn't 
I know he probably gets that a lot. Uh, Spirited Away, beautiful story, artwork, and musical composition. Mm. Uh, Jeremy Williamson said, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? But that doesn't count. No, unfortunately. So, so we're going to put that in there. Um, uh, Jansen Lu Kima no Nawa, which is your name, won, won a bunch of awards. Uh, Emma Blaylock said, Aladdin, Tangled, and Ratatouille. Uh, Jenna Deemer said Lion King or Nightmare Before Christmas. Big Nightmare Before Christmas one. Alex Peters said Akira. Allison Hawkins for The Jungle Book. A couple people for The Jungle Book like Allison and Chris Morey. And David Williamson, that's my papa. He threw in The Jungle Book as well. Uh, the only person I think to mention Fantastic Mr. Fox, Mr. Robert Ensley, oh. brought up Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, Pietro, Pietro LaGreca Jr. brought up The Book of Life. Okay. Which I thought was unique. And then Tara Whitaker brought up a couple that weren't listed, uh, such as The Brave Little Toaster and Oliver and Company. So there were a ton there. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention Jeremy Nakano. He sent us his own top 10, but that included <laughs> Summer Wars, Beauty and the Beast, How to Train Your Dragon, Princess Moanoke, The Boy and the Beast, My Neighbor Totoro, The Wind Rises, Kubo and the Two Strings. So. We had a ton of feedback, and we want to hear more feedback. So, again, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Tell us those blockbusters. Tell us your favorite blockbusters at The Popcorn Diet. We want to wrap this up with our conversation about Transformers The Last Night. So we'll do spoiler-free first, and then we'll break down some huge spoilers. So we'll try and enlist when we we get into spoilers. But this is the fifth goddamn Transformers film, David. We've gotten five of them inexplicably. There's uh, never too many Transformers. Way too many trans. I mean, there's a lot of Transformers movies. I mean, whoever thought we would get five Transformers movies and that they would be so hated. <laughs> this did not get great reviews at all. Um, none of the Transformers movies, not a single Transformers movie, I think, except for the first, was fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it wasn't fresh. That even the first one wasn't fresh. No, the last four have totaled last four. Yes, you combine all of their percentages on Rotten Tomatoes 87 percent. 87 percent. You combine all four, and if you throw this one on, you'll probably get it up to a hundred. Maybe. No, that that's including this one. So the the first one got 57. Okay, and then the next four combined got 87. Oh my god. So they're at like 130 cumulative. 134 cumulative. 144. So critics have not been kind to these movies, and yet they make a shitload of money. The fourth Mm -hmm. one made a bunch of money in China because they filmed in China. So, you know, whatever. Good for them. But Michael Bay's never been a critic's darling. He's never, never been a critic's darling, which I think um, is disappointing because there are parts of Michael Bay films. That I think are truly genius. I think there is almost no one who can put together action sequences like Michael Bay does. And this is no different. This Transformers movie is full of some insane, innovative, just fucking cuckoo bananas action sequences that he films so beautifully. And there's just some, there's just some, like there was one shot where they're running across the fucking European countryside and it's green and lush and the thing is crashing into the ground and it's blowing up around them. And all I could think of was just how gorgeous it looked. Like, it looked so good. And he has such an eye for direction. And this has some of the best action and the biggest action 
than I think Michael Bay has ever directed. Like, there are huge... If you thought, like... In the Transformers movies, what is... Like, every every finale... Like, the first one was a finale in the city. Fight in the city. The second one was a fight in Egypt, in the pyramids, in the ruins. Uh, the third one was a fight in Chicago. So, a city again. Which they never repaired. They never repaired. <laughs> they just... Chicago's a fucking in. wasteland in this movie. <laughs> the fourth one was a fight in China. This one is literally just... I really liked how this one was... It started as a fight in the countryside. And then it's underwater. It's above water. It's in the air. Like, it just got gigantic. And it really is one of those movies where the last 30 minutes is bonkers. Um, that being said... As gorgeous as this movie is and as action-packed and as excellent as the action is in this movie, it is one of the most fucking confusing movies I've ever watched. <laughs> I literally, we turned to each other a couple times and we're just like, what's happening? How did we get here? What's going on? Um, and so from a storytelling standpoint, this movie fails spectacularly because it's an easy story. It's Cybertron is coming to destroy Earth. And everybody is looking for fucking Merlin's staff. Merlin from King Arthur. They're looking for his staff so that they can either help Cybertron destroy Earth or stop Cybertron from destroying Earth. That's not that hard. That's a fairly easy plot. And yet, this is two, this is a movie that's two and a half hours long uh, of nonsense. And I'm super curious... As to what uh, other people think about it, because it's not great. It's not great at all. Um, and uh, so that's my initial spoiler-free take on it. So, what's well, your spoiler take on it? Well, here's the thing: is like you said, Michael Bay's never been exactly a storytelling genius, despite your uh, love of Armageddon. Um, but what he has always been known for is really beautiful movies and really amazing, fun action sequences, which we saw in all his movies. I mean, you look at everyone he's done, Armageddon, Bad Boys movies. Yep. I mean, any uh, name them. The guy can make an action Name scene. them, and they've probably got that scene where it's got a character and there's the sun in the background and it's a little out of focus. But yeah. yeah. So those ones where it's, uh, and hey, look, that's, part of what a blockbuster is that's what we talk about that we love and the fact that he has a way of making transformers seem like they are right there with humans and not seem like everything's out of place like they look like they're in the city running around in that yeah. so i mean is a credit to him um the story is a little bonkers i feel like it was two and a half hours and it easily could have been Two that shit hours. Could have been ninety minutes. Dude. Could have been ninety minutes, but I mean, I mean, we went everywhere from, and this isn't a spoiler, but we went everywhere from uh, medieval times to World War Two to present day to South Dakota to Chicago to London to yeah. Stonehenge, yeah, to the bottom of the fucking ocean. Yeah, so there was there's a lot of uh, space, a lot of different locations involved, um, and it did. I feel like it tried to tell a trilogy almost in a single movie like you could have you could have stretched this storyline over the course of multiple movies sure 
um, if you wanted to get really in depth and, and give a lot of backstory to all these characters. Right. Um, the story itself, like you said, everybody trying to get this one one item right. to uh, a, to either take over the world and destroy it or save to defeat it. to or to save it yeah. is a fairly simple concept and get the very, thing and a very similar concept to every one of the Transformers It's movies. literally every single one has been get the thing. There's been the all spark, there's been the all sorts of matrix of leadership. Yeah. That one thing that I can't even name of it, the seed of creation. Yeah, those, every Transformers movie those is those glasses get that, the thing. Yeah, those glasses that he had in right. the first movie and that kind of stuff. This so. is also the second movie that that has to do with Cybertron coming to Earth. Yeah. So, I mean, from that standpoint, look, there's all sorts of holes in the story. For me, I... <laughs> Which we are going to talk about. For for me, I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than you, but that's because I feel like, unlike you, I can come in and be like, I accept that this movie is going to be severely flawed and I'm going to <laughs> enjoy it for what it is and understand that this is Michael Bay we're dealing with. And as long as he delivers on the things I expect him to deliver and, you know, the characters are fun and engaging, then, uh, then I'll take it. But it was definitely, you know, to me, the, the best Transformers still remains the first one. The first one and, and then the third one. And the third one was solid. Two and four were a little weak. I would put this. Are we? Is it safe to say that the odd numbered Transformers movies are the good ones right now? Yeah, I mean, I would put this one definitely ahead of two and four okay. for me. All right, I think um, I would probably do that too. Although I, we were just watching two, and it seemed super comprehensible compared to the fifth sure, one. Absolutely, I understood everything that was happening. Well, yeah, and and that's the, well, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that this was another example of a series where we suddenly went to following one character, right? Because um, that's the hard part about this is they've always had the human character as really the quote unquote main character. Um, so it was Shia LaBeouf right. early on. And then now we've pivoted to Marky Mark. To Marky Mark. But really, the continuing people are, you know, people like Bumblebee and Optimus. Yeah. Those are really your characters throughout the whole series, yet we don't develop them as much as we do the human characters, which makes sense. I mean, it's hard to develop a, an alien robot sure. that transforms um, and make them really the center point of the story. But um, I think that's one of the things that makes it a little bit more difficult to follow. Um, from that standpoint, I but. guess so. Yeah, I guess that's right. I, I, I just my my biggest issues with the film are the fact that it's just so busy. There's so many little things happening. I feel it's just, less busy than four, though. Oh, it is infinitely less busy <laughs> than four. Four just jumped. Like it felt like four was missing like ten minute chunks sometimes. And even though this one still has the same issues of like, there's a scene, and then we cut. And now, like, there's all these Transformers driving together. Cut. Optimus is alone, and now he's getting his ass kicked. Where the fuck did everyone go? Yeah. What happened? They were all just there. And this movie doesn't quite do that. It, it stays pretty much, you know, straight through. But basically, the, the way that I put it is I enjoyed everyone who acted in it. I thought Mark Wahlberg did fine. He's got a very odd... Um, charming kind of rapid fire delivery in Michael Bay movies. He's just talking really fast. Um, and I can kind of relate to that because I do that a lot where I'm just 
you know, running, running my mouth. Um, I also like the fact, and you and I talked about this, that Michael Bay showed a little bit of restraint in that this movie isn't nearly filled with as much product placement as the other films were. It's true. Very little product well, placement. Well, and product four was, or... Uh, and Transformers 4 just Movie was 4 was basically product a big, <laughs> big commercial for yeah. a bunch of companies. That's where my... That you can talk about how much movie money this these movies make in, in the box office, but I can't imagine how much movie they money they make off of... All the product placement in For there. For real. And this one only really had a Bud Light shot and all the cars that were Transformers. Yeah. And that's really it. And the other thing that Michael Bay did that, that you had mentioned, and I really hadn't noticed until you mentioned it, was he really kind of toned down the sexualization, particularly of the female characters. In the previous four films, every, Megan Fox was in the first two, Rosie Honey, Huntington Wheatley was in the third one, and... That blonde girl was in the fourth one, and every single one of them were like super hot, short shorts, leaning over the car, long legs. Well, and even think about the the different approach they came, took to introducing the character. Right. Because in all the other ones, it had been like leaning over a car, like some kind of like, like or getting out of the car. Like the first thing we see is a leg. Yeah. Right. And this one, she was. Fully, fully clothed, uh -huh. playing polo. Playing polo with dudes. With dudes. Yeah. And Michael Bay was forced to make uh, some some strong female characters for once. Yeah. Um, and you just, it's really easy, Michael. Just write them like your dudes. <laughs> and you won't have that hard of a problem with it. But uh, Laura Haddock uh, played Vivian. She was great. And yeah. she, there was never a point where she was like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, objectified. Yeah. Like there was one scene where she wore a really tight dress and she looked great. Red blooded American male in me really appreciated that. But for the most part, she's an Oxford professor. Well, she's smart. She's the linchpin of this story. Well, and it didn't seem forced. Like right. Maybe some of the times Michael Bay's done it in the past. When like, all, yeah. Because you had this back line. You mean like when Megan Fox dressed like a schoolgirl in the second fucking Ninja <laughs> Turtles movie for no goddamn reason? <laughs> You mean like that? Yes, like that. Um, but you had this storyline of how Marky Mark needs to find a girl. Right. And you had the storyline about how, uh, what's her name in the movie? Isabel. Ne Isabel needed to find a guy. And or no, Laura. Sorry. Isabel's Laura. the, Isabel's Isabel's the little, little girl. girl. Yeah. So <laughs> there was the part where you know her mom kept pressuring her, you need to find a guy. Uh -huh. And so you had this kind of initial spark where... You know, she stopped dressing like a professor and, right. you know, was in this good-looking outfit. Right. Like you said she looks great. And you had Marky Mark obviously take notice, and mm -hmm. that was a change for him because he had always been focused on saving the world mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So you had that spark, and obviously, you know, no spoiler, but, you know, obviously that leads down the path that, that it goes. That leads down the path that most movies tend to go. Exactly. So, But it didn't seem like we were doing it just to show off some... Right. Hot girls. If body anything, in the, if in anything, the, the girls got all the action this time because Marky Mark's been doing a lot of crunches, and he's literally just got a scene where he just lifts his shirt up because <laughs> like this fucking talisman is crawling on him, which is a, a, just one part. Which you barely see the talisman. No, you it's like just, it disappears. You mostly just see his abs, and it's just his abs, and it's like 
Yeah, all right, Marky Mark, I get it, man. You can, you're feeling it. It's back to his old fucking Calvin Klein days. That's right. I guess. Marky Mark and the Funky um, Bunch. But you know, I guess my to wrap it up before we get into spoilers really quick because I'm gonna spoil the fuck out of this movie. Um, if you like the other Transformers movies, if you like Michael Bay blowing shit up, you'll probably like this movie. If you want things to make sense, like even a little bit, you probably are going to have problems with this movie. If you like big shiny robots and fun action sequences and, and good characters, then you'll Just be good. Just massive action. Just world changing. Literally, they say in the movie that tens of millions of people are going to die. Like, they wipe out fucking, they literally rake cities off the face of the fucking earth. Like, if you like that kind of shit, you're going to be into it. I feel like Asia always gets crapped on, you know, it's it always like China or Tokyo. They got so many people there. You know, that's always the chosen place where the alien, the first city that gets wiped out has always seemed to what's be the in main, Asia. What's, what's the main, was it Shanghai? The big city in China? Beijing. Beijing. Well, whatever small city is in China, you could knock that one out and still kill like 200 million people. <laughs> it's that's true. That's not our fault. It's true. That's I guess China's it's because they fault. got the highly dense, you know, tall yeah. buildings and that kind of thing. And exactly. They don't, they don't want to knock out New York. <laughs> now, that all that being said, we are going to get into some spoilers a little bit, like how this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, and the thing that I cannot stop thinking about, and I've, st- I cannot stop thinking about how. Marky Mark changed wardrobes three times in the middle of a 20-minute action sequence. He starts with regular clothes, and they go to this submarine, which, oh, by the way, is a transformer that never transforms, which is a huge missed fucking opportunity. So they go to this World War II submarine. They launch the submarine that Bumblebee just hangs on Indiana Jones style throughout this entire sequence. And then all of a sudden we cut to Marky Mark, and he's wearing... A tank top that has HMS on the on it, and it's not even a tank top. It's a wife beater. It's a wh- it's a gray wife beater that has HMS on it. Where did he get that fucking tank top? When did he have time to put that on? Maybe he had it underneath. No, he did. It's HMS. It's the it's the name of the submarine. The submarine was an HMS something or maybe other. Maybe he picked it up from the gift shop on the way in. When? <laughs> because then they get because then. They, 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 the submarine goes to this giant underground fucking robot ship, goes in it, and they climb out, and all of a sudden he's in a flannel and a beat, and he looks like a sail, like a sailor. I mean, maybe they, when did this things happen? Maybe the sailors had it on the ship. Yeah, you could say all of those maybes, maybe this, maybe that. You can fill in the blanks with your theoreticals, David. But the fact of the matter is, Marky Mark changed wardrobe because then after that. He's in a jumpsuit. He gets saved by the people. Well, yeah, he's going to jump out of the plane. When did he get in that jumpsuit? When he got on the plane. That's w- Have you ever gotten into a plane and it's just like, I'm going to get on the jumpsuit. I'm going to put this on. I've never gotten in a plane and decided to jump out of it That's, before. It's, I could not understand how that that was that is. And you know what? That is in the in the in the in the hindsight, in the in the long and short of it. That is not the biggest issue with the movie. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. My big issues with the movie like were things like all the all the Autobots are riding into battle, right? Mm-hmm. And then Optimus Prime just isn't there. What the where is Optimus? And then all of a sudden he's just like I'm here. Well, he was and riding, rides in he with was, the dragon. He was riding on the back of the dragon. Fucking doing what? 
figure killing eights in things. the air? Killing things. Stupid. Taking out the flying... The management of characters in the final battle, particularly Optimus, and this has happened in like the last three movies, or four movies, where Optimus is just like gone for the first ten minutes of the battle, and then shows up and does some badass shit, which is admittedly badass. Sure. Like he cuts the heads off of like eight dudes, which is dope. Slow-mo style and everything. But the fact that he's not in the battle was driving me crazy. Um, I my One of my biggest... I, just, the, I think my biggest issue is with this series in general and how the continuity from, from one movie to another is shit. Like, <laughs> everything that happened in the last movie... Okay, Megatron. Let's take Megatron for a second. In the last movie... He wasn't Megatron. He was Galvatron. He was white. He had that hole in his chest. And he could do that molecular transformation because he was created by Stanley Tucci. Who shows up as Merlin in this movie? Fucking unexplained, by the way. But (laughs) Megatron is, again, back to being Megatron. Looks nothing like Galvatron from the previous film. Nor does when he transformed does he use the molecular technology. He's just back to being Megatron. What the fuck? What happened to him at the end of the last one? He disappeared. He's like, I'm out. I'll get you again, Prime. Okay. Yeah. Like, he just left. And now he shows up. He's completely different again. Megatron has not looked the same since, like, the the third movie. And it, it blows my mind. He hasn't transformed into the same thing in any movie. Every movie he transforms into something different. Every single one. In the first movie, it's a jet. In the second movie, it's a tank. In the third movie, it's a, a Mack truck, it, like Optimus, a shitty Mack truck. In the fourth one, it's a shiny white Mack truck. In this one, it's a jet again. That shit well, blows you, my mind. Well, but I mean, throughout the movies, they always show a lot of them going to the different types of vehicles. You can, you know, whatever. They scan the vehicle right. and then they hop to it. You know, that kind At of At least thing. they showed their work for that. Show your work. That's all I ask. Show your work. Don't just have Megatron show up. These are big up. requests of Michael Bay. And be different. Um, or the Bumblebee voice thing. How did you feel about that? Like, there was this entire subplot about Bumblebee needing a voice box. And it was actually a pretty solid joke when they replaced his voice box. It's one of the most endearing parts about Bumblebee has been the character has communicated through radio quotes and movie quotes. Yeah. And that's very endearing. Now, at, do you remember at the end of the first movie, at the end of the first movie, Ratchet has a little laser thing and lasers his fucking vocal cords. And he says to Optimus Prime, like, I wish to stay with the boy. And it's a very, like, it's like almost like a British robot voice. Like, I wish yeah. to stay with the boy. Yeah. Okay, well, that fucking voice went away in two, three, and four. Inexplicably. He's talking in movie quotes again. And this one, it starts that way. They replace his voice box, and it sounds like Siri, I think, which yeah, is a really funny, a, yeah. a pretty funny joke that I liked. Yeah. Because he's like, this isn't my voice, son of a bitch. Like, it was yeah. really funny. And then at the end, to snap Optimus out of his fucking whatever, he uses his voice. Yeah. How? I mean, I think it was like, again, I'm not defending it, but I think... It was intended to be one of those things where it's like, you know, the mom lifts the bus off the right. kid type of thing. And it was like he somehow finds his voice and forces it out right. in this moment of need type of thing. I agree. It's 
there's plenty of holes in it, but that's the thing, you know, and I agree, you know, the Marky Mark thing, changing, changing outfits, <laughs> all those types of things. My thing always is when I go into the Transformers and when I go into a Michael Bay movie in sure. general, I'm expecting some of these holes in the story. My issue is more, it was, and the whole reason I had such a hard time tracking is we went from each of these different points to yeah. these different people and we had these characters that it was like, and I was like, am I just not remembering the previous Transformers movies or is this person brand new? No, they just don't like, fucking care. We start out with these random kids sneaking into Chicago right. and then we have this girl who's hanging out with another Transformer. Two robots. Uh, another Transformer we had never seen right. before named Canopy. And, you know, we're supposed to get into this whole emotional feeling for this girl that we met two minutes ago. Two minutes ago. When her Autobot friend gets killed and it's like and then even like in that one scene when she's chasing after Marky Mark and it just seems like a normal scene where she's chasing after him trying to stay with him right and then all of a sudden she's crying and Let it's me like stay with you she does a great job pulling off right. the crying and making it convincing all of a sudden it turns into I don't have a family but it got emotional real quick and, and I think that's in essence, what I feel like with Michael Bay a lot of times, and especially in the Transformers movies, and, and even more so in this, I felt like he had an idea, but he didn't want to waste time telling it. He just wanted to get there so he could go back to the fun action stuff. Sure. So, you know, some of these and things... boy, does he. Yeah, and so whether it be, like, the fact that we needed to have this, you know, we had all this medieval stuff, or, you know, I told you one of my things that was a big deal for me was that I didn't quite get was we get this whole Merlin story right in the beginning right. which by the way we need to mention this movie posits that the whole King Arthur legend is a real thing yes. and no one seems to be like what the fuck like no one says I think she says it once like this is real and yes. that's it no one else is Yes. Gives a shit. Yes. After she spent, you know, a chunk of the movie talking about how it's, it's all fairy tales yeah. and stuff, which we already knew it wasn't because we saw the we beginning saw of the, the movie. The prologue. Um, but. Which was great, by the way. Yeah. He should do a medieval movie because it was he, fucking great. He could do a great medieval movie. Um, but so you have this whole Merlin story. So we introduce Merlin. He's the only one that can carry Stan, the staff. Yada, yada, yada. Tucci. Yep. Um, then we get into this whole talisman thing connects to Marky Mark apparently because he was kind enough to try to look after he's, one of the old he's got samurai honor. guys yeah. and that attaches to him and now he's this last night which only seems to play into <laughs> him stopping Optimus from getting killed that's the only time where this whole talisman comes into play he gets a sword that comes out of his arm stops him he's apparently now a knight of the round table yeah he gets Excalibur exactly this fucking talisman turns into Excalibur so he can block Optimus Optimus Prime a 20 foot robot sword swing exactly Marky Mark is like fuck you I'm Marky Mark. Exactly. But that's the entire significance of it. Everybody's chasing after it the whole time. Right. But that's the entire significance. It doesn't unlock some big giant portal. It doesn't... It's like, you oh, know, this is a sign of the end Create a cool times. weapon. Like, nothing. Yeah. So, there's that. And then you got this Merlin staff. And only one, only a descendant of Merlin can hold the staff. And, and that ends up being the girl. Yeah. And she... Grabs it, but then she loses it to Nemesis Prime. Right. 
30 seconds after she grabs she it. Gives it right up. So she has the staff, I feel like, in her hands for a total of like 45 seconds right. in this entire movie, even though she's the only person that supposedly can wield the staff. Um, and even at the end, when she takes it out, she drops it as soon as <laughs> she pulls she it out. She doesn't ever, yeah. And then you never see it except for Optimus has it at the very end. Um, so it's just, like I said, I think the the biggest issue with this this movie is that Everything is told in like fast forward. It is. The action sequences are told in slow-mo. Not slow-mo, but appropriate speed. Appropriate speed. And but the, all the story, stories are all told in fast they're forward. They're just like, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. What are you talking about? I'm gonna go and do this thing. They're basically told the way that Anthony Hopkins talks in the movie, which he does a great job. Anthony Hopkins is hilarious. And movie. he's like this guy that seems like he's got dementia or yeah. as he calls it like robot dementia or something like that but he does a great job but everything he's saying you're like trying to stay up it's with so what fast. he's saying and some of it's nonsense so you're like i don't know what i'm supposed to be paying attention don't you want to know don't you dude like he's great anthony yeah. hopkins is great in the movie yeah and then you got butler transformer and all was this pretty and, funny yeah um you got the random i know you you had an issue with this uh, about the bumblebee flashback yeah, so um, like they, there was this whole controversy about how they went to this home of Winston Churchill and hung Nazi banners to shoot this flashback sequence, and and it's a flashback about how Bumblebee was in World War II. It's a two fucking two minute sequence that literally could have been cut. You could have saved like ten million dollars and just had Anthony Hopkins tell you. Yeah, like, ba I mean, basically what they were trying to get across is. Transformers have been around for a long time. Well, and, you know, Mark Wahlberg makes the, I think it was Mark Wahlberg, or maybe it was the little girl, uh -huh. makes the comment about how Bumblebee seems like too kind-spirited to have been like this big warrior in World War II. Oh, yeah. And he says, no, he was this fierce guy in World War II. Right. And then you get the flashback scene, and it's like, I think we've already discovered through five movies now that Bumblebee knows how to fight. Yeah. Like, I don't think we need to like... Did we really need to give him the World War II backstory? Yeah, exactly. Or or John Turturro in this movie. He was also a character that probably didn't need to be they in there. They could literally... John Turturro spends this entire movie in Cuba on a payphone. With a Transformer. With a Transformer, NASCAR Transformer talking to him. And the entire point of his role is to be like... I know where this thing is, where you, you guys are looking for this thing, but I'm not going to tell you until you let me into the society. And it ends up being a book that basically just tells them that Earth is, what's the name of it, Ultra... Unicron? Unicron. Which Unicron. doesn't make... That's not what Unicron is. <laughs> By the way, Michael Bay, well, this movie was written in a writer's room of like legit writers, and they couldn't get fucking Unicron right. Well, I think it's been pretty clear early on that they don't give a crap about the actual, like, true story the of mythology Transformers. Or whatever. Yeah. That's not the story they were selling, that's for sure. <laughs> because they literally got, like, the writers of Iron Man. They got Academy Award winning writers. They got Ken Nolan. They got Christopher Nolan's b brother, I think it's his brother. I'm not sure. No, that's Jonathan Nolan. Um, but they got, like, legit writers. To write this movie and like they get shit like that wrong or they say that freaking John Turturro is going to be in this movie. Anyways, it is all over the place. I, I did like the fact that the Transformers had personalities. I loved the fact that the Decepticons had personalities. 
even though they did like a Suicide Squad Redux <laughs> like intro to them. Where he's like, pick your crew. I wish and they would have done that in the first movie. Yeah. Like if you would have done that in the first movie, that would have been cool. <laughs> the funny thing about that is they get killed like five minutes later. Yeah. And then Megatron has this whole new crew that never got introduced. It's like, I want Dreadnought and I yeah. want Berserker. And then like they literally all get fucking blown it, up. It was a fun scene though. They had the lawyers come out uh -huh. and like... It was like, you know, it was a fun scene. It was I, fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, but I can still you, say like. You expected those Autobots that he did, or uh, Decepticons to be like characters prominent. the rest of the movie. Right. But they go to this town <laughs> to go hunt get, down Marky Mark and, fucking and them. And then and they three all of them get die. killed. <laughs> three <laughs> like, of them die immediately. And it's a cool fight scene in that, but you're like, okay, you... You made this whole selection seem right. like it was going to be like... You took okay, five minutes of this movie. Only to have them killed five minutes later. It's like if you would have introduced Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Boomerang, Killer Croc, and Diablo, and then... Kill three of kill them. Kill three of them, just like that. Instantly, uh, yes. Yeah. Like it's, before they even get to the city, like when they're <laughs> when, when they're, they're getting their when weapons they're getting in that... in the helicopter. Yes. Like, like three of them fall out of the helicopter and Jesus. die. Jesus. Um, this, yeah, it's all over the place, but again, Michael Bay does action like no one else. He does. So I think. If you like Transformers, you'll probably enjoy if you, it. If you've liked Transformers, you'll probably enjoy it. If you it's, did not it like is, Transformers, you will probably not really, enjoy it. We really didn't talk about the end that much on how just insane it is, like with Cybertron crashing into Earth and literally bringing up huge chunks of Earth and them flying to this platform in Cybertron, which then falls, so they're all in zero-G. It is massive. Like, this is the type of, like, robot-on-robot -robot warfare. Like, literally dozens of robots on either side fighting each other with the humans there. Like, it is gigantic, and it is a spectacle to be seen. Was this supposed to be the last one? No. Were they talking that this was going to be the last one? Because obviously they want to make they, more. They obviously leave it on a cliffhanger, but every single one of them ends like right after the. None of them have a wrap up. Like this one is the same thing. Like the action sequence is over, and then it just ends. Optimus Prime gives a speech as the the fires are still burning in the background, and then it just snaps to black. Same thing happens in every movie. They're already talking. They're planning a. They're making a Bumblebee prequel that's going to be set oh, in the eighties. Jeez. And they want it to be Spielbergian. Oh, geez. So we'll see what happens there. It's not making a ton of money in the U.S., but it's going to make a shitload of money in China. Diminishing returns. Yep. We talk about that all the time. But I think that about does it for us. So, again, much appreciated. Thank you all for listening so, so much. Again, tell your friends. Tell your family. Please do us a favor. Wherever you are listening to this, whether it be SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play, do us a favor and like, rate, and subscribe. That's how we get more people to pay attention to us, and that's how we get more listeners. Again, we want to hear your feedback about your favorite blockbusters, so let us know on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Also, you can find us at popcorndietpodcast.com or popcorndietpodcast at gmail.com. From beautiful San Diego, for David Malhorn, I am Rick Williamson. We are your good movie buddies, and we will see you later to talk about the next good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Have a good one, everyone.